Welcome to Behind the Boss Lady podcast, a sacred space where each week I share with you a look into what it really takes to run a soul-led business in today's modern world by giving you a look behind the boss lady with solo cast from me and interviews from guest experts. We share a whole lot of wisdom, strength, a little woo, and lots of love as we go all in on business coaching and personal mastery helping you develop the highest version of yourself and step into your power to let your light shine. There is nothing that is too much. There is no truth too real. And there is never a topic that we won't touch when teaching you how to stay in alignment when things get messy. I'm Shelby, your host, solopreneur and CEO of the Boss Lady Agency, a business coaching company dedicated to helping women just like you answer their soul's calling. You have the power within you to transform your mind, body, soul, and business to create the life of your dreams. Now let's dive in. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Behind the Boss Lady. On today's episode, we have Brittany Elms with us of My Design Assistant. And we are going to talk about how she pivoted from the behavioral health field into interior design and how she went full-time in 2018. Plus, she's going to give some juicy details on how to build your own niche business. So thank you, Brittany, for being here with us today. I'm so excited to hear all about you, your venture into interior design. But before we dive into all that, I'd love for you to share a little bit about yourself. Hi. Uh, so uh, my name is Brittany. As you know, I uh, have my design assistant, which is a virtual assistant agency that supports interior designers. I work from home. So throughout, you are probably going to hear my kids in the background. And that's almost a guarantee right there. Um, <laughs> uh, so oh, now she's shushing us. Uh, so we live in Central Oregon and uh, it's pretty rural location. Um, well, yeah, I've been doing this for the last three years, three and a half years or so. That is so awesome. Uh, I'm really, really excited just to have you here, have you on, and to learn all about this. And you. as you said, you're going to have your kids there because that's what it's all about. Real raw, running a business from home isn't easy, diving in and figuring it all out and having to deal with the commotion of kids in the background, but that's real life, right? <laughs> Yeah. And I, you know, that's the hard thing I think is when I first started, I just had this, like, everything had to be really professional and perfect. So my transition point was from behavioral health. But before that, I worked in banking. And that was obviously an extremely professional surrounding and atmosphere. And it was just so hard to wrap my head around letting that professionalism go to an extent. And knowing that, you know, when you have kids in the background and a lot of times it is just me with them, especially now given um, COVID's kind of changed our schedule a little bit. And you know what, like you just, when you find the right audience, they're accepting of that and they're like, okay, that's fine. We'll work with it. And then, you know, it's just a lot easier to kind of lean into that and find those people and then to try to pretend that you have something that you don't. Yeah, house is not something we have. I could not agree more. I mean, 
everyone that works with me knows that at some point my dogs go crazy, go running through the house, barking. My baby will wake up from her nap. Who knows? It's one of those things where when you're running a home business, you just kind of have to go with the flow. But I love how you called out and mentioned that when you first started, because of the industry that you were in previously, you kind of felt like you had to have like this perfect scenario for everything to work. So let's talk about that, like the difference of what, you know, banking and the behavioral health industry was compared to how it felt and what it was like pivoting into interior design now. Yeah, so I mean, with me, I've always been one that I can't have a hard time just staying where I'm at if I'm not loving it. Um, So uh, the first part of my professional life was kind of like, I just jumped around a lot. So I started out in banking, and when I say jumped around, honestly, I was doing banking almost the whole time, but then I would have like a side thing here and there that I would be doing. Uh, So anyway, that seemed like the responsible, smart choice. You know, you learn finances and you have good benefits and all that good stuff. Um, I never really loved it. I was never excited about it. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely, you know, it's kind of comfortable because like you know exactly what's expected of you. Like yeah. you show, they tell you what to wear, essentially, like you need to look like this and you need mm-hmm. to be like this and this is what it looks like to be a banker. Um, so that was never my passion, but my passion was behavioral health and psychology, but I love to talk. And I'm from a really rural area. And so there's not, you know, the education system is kind of, not to say poor, but it's not super diverse. Mm. So a real knowledge of like what I could do. And so people would be like, well, if you go into psychology, you're going to be a therapist. And you couldn't be a therapist. You talk too much. And so I'm like, okay, well, then what do I do? So I had five different majors in college. Oh, wow. So I'm not proud of, but I, I just couldn't settle because I started, uh, I started in music because that's what I was good at. And um, I'm a vocalist and then everybody just kind of steered me that way. And then I realized like, I don't really want to do this for life. So then I was working in banking. So then I went into economics and I hated that. So then I did business and I wasn't really feeling that, but then I had like gotten so far. I was like, well now how do I merge these? So then I did some sort of like business psychology degree. Uh-huh. And then that, I don't know. I was like, what am I doing? I like psychology. Like I should have just started here. This is what I really wanted. This is what I was really interested by. Uh-huh. And I just, everybody else pushed me in a different direction. So dang it. Like, I'm just going to do this and I'm just going to go with it. And that's what I graduated with. Uh, When I graduated, I was working with a local nonprofit that supported individuals with developmental disabilities. Uh, So the individuals that we worked with had all been uh, born with or had acquired their disability by the age of 21. Okay. So my position was to help them and their families develop goals for their development uh, and, you know, help to make sure that they were reaching those goals. So it could be goals for care, it could be goals for their environment, goals for travel. Because, um, you know, I personally haven't had a child with a disability, but if you are a family member who has, you can understand, you know, people 
one, there's just not a lot of conversation around it. I mean, there is a lot more now. Yeah. Um, even like the doctors, especially back then, weren't super supportive. Um, so there's just a little, it's a little extra assistance to help people kind of navigate that life. And I honestly really loved that job, mm-hmm. uh, but it's also super political. And so every time an election comes or anything and that kind of train, everything shifts dramatically. Oh, and wow. I would have never guessed that. Yeah. So the funding, everything can look really different. And so when I was pregnant with my son, in 2015, uh, right before I went on maternity leave, which would have been 2016, um, they were starting to kind of prepare me like, hey, this isn't going to look the same. Like when you come back, your job may not be here. Like we'll still have you here, but you need to start thinking about like what things you're really passionate about and you know, maybe how we can kind of carve a place for you. Oh, wow. And so I'm like, oh my gosh. And I feel like it was just kind of fate because at the same time, I should have been done with my degree, but there was some miscalculation in how the credits were calculated. Mm -hmm. And I had to take one more class. And it sounded like this is just ridiculous. Obviously, I was so mad at the time because I just wanted to be done when I had my baby. I didn't want to have newborn baby and be worrying about this last class uh, but it ended up being the thing that changed everything uh, because that class was all about me finding like my passion finding where I wanted to go it was a series of um, aptitude tests and interviews and things like that and so everything said it, everything said <laughs> it was okay. I mean, at least they're happy. Exactly. They're just loud. <laughs> they're enjoying themselves. It's okay. Yeah. They're coloring. <laughs> Who knew it could be so much fun? Right. Uh, so everything said interior design. And I knew nothing. Like I had watched HGTV like everybody else. So I knew that much. Uh, but aside from that, I didn't know anything about the industry and had never really considered it a career. It was just something that people on TV do. Mm-hmm. And so I reached out to one lady locally. So I looked at like all the websites that I could find online and um, reached out to one that I thought really matched my style. And I thought we could complement each other. And from there, just moved forward. So um, I sent her an email. She later told me that she was 100% dreading answering that email because she didn't want to have to talk to somebody that she didn't want to talk to. And thank God she responded. And I worked with her for two years up until our daughter was born, which is when I pivoted to full time. Okay. Um, so, I mean, yeah, long story short, or shorter, I guess, because we've already gone a while, the whole pivot was really around when my son was born and mm-hmm. just trying to find something. You know, I'd already been told what I was doing that I loved wasn't going to look the same. We were staring down the barrel of really expensive childcare. And so then it just kind of raised those questions like, okay, if I'm going to be paying someone else to watch my son, I feel like I should be leaving to go do something that I really love. And I don't even know if that's going to be an option when I'm done with this. 
And so like, I have about three months up until my maternity leave is done to find something I really love, which obviously like the deadline's not that finite, but that was just what was in my head. Like, okay, yeah. if I'm going to do this, I'm going to be researching it right now while I have a little spare time during naps and then go from there. And yeah, thank God she hired me. Um, and that was probably about six months in. She had told me, you know, um, you're doing great, but it's been so long since I've had an assistant. I just didn't anticipate the cost that would be associated with this. Mm. Reduce your hours. And I'm like, Oh man, like I just left a full-time job for like a part-time job and then we're reducing further. Um, and that's where my design assistant was born because I was listening to podcasts and I was like, I mean, I don't know a lot, but I know what these people are needing to grow their business and I can offer those services. That's so amazing. Like, I think that you said how embarrassing that you had, you know, went through all these different majors. But when you're trying to figure out your like purpose and you're trying to figure out what you love, I feel like that's one of those things that we're just guided on this journey to like dive deeper and maybe like go into things that we're not meant to do so that we can truly find and align ourselves with something that we absolutely love. And it sounds like that's the journey that you were set on and mm -hmm. the path that you walked and it led you to creating this business that is just has been everything that you imagined and has lit your soul on fire to really be able to just live out your purpose and be able to be home with your kids. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, that's the crazy thing is yeah, you do feel kind of embarrassed when you go on this track and like, oh my gosh, my number of majors is like, my family's just like, that's crazy. Like, why would you do that? Waste money. And it's like, well, I mean, I spent the money, so you don't need to worry about it. Yeah. Um, I didn't yeah, figure out where you were supposed to be. And yeah, yeah like and that's the ultimate thing. There's just so much pressure. And I've always said this, like even when I was in that stage, is how can you expect an 18-year-old to know what they want to do for the rest of their life? Like, you know, you can't drink because you're not responsible enough, but yet you can choose your whole life path. Like, <laughs> um, you have such limited experience to be able to say what you can do. And like I said, coming from a rural community, like they just, didn't have those options and so you didn't have a clue what was out there so it's funny I always laugh because my best friend entered college with a un, I can't remember what, like undetermined or something like that degree yeah. um she hadn't selected a major until she had been in school for two years and I'm like well I entered knowing exactly what my major would be and yet I was there way longer before I got my degree yeah <laughs> so, I mean you I get it in your path yeah, you really do. I When I went to college, I went to school for fashion design. And after finishing that, I switched and did visual communications. And so my first business I started was a fashion company. And from there, it was like you, I did a lot of different things. But now I where I feel I'm meant to be, it feels good. I absolutely love what I do, being able to just help other women grow their business. But mm -hmm. I wouldn't have known that this is where I wanted to be had I have not done all the other things, had I have not oh, yeah. gone to school and experienced and seen things the way that I did. So it's just as much, as hard as it is to hear people telling me, like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Or even now, like, go get a real job. Like, are you sure this is what you should do? Mm. Yes. It's amazing. I love this. It's for yeah. sure. 
takes care of everything for me. I'm able to be here for my daughter. Like, why would I go and have security when nothing's really secure, right? We found that out Mm -hmm. the whole situation with COVID of just things that happened to so many people. So with that, I would love to just dive into how you help others build their niche businesses and how you figured out with my design assistant who your audience was. Mm -hmm. So I was lucky. um, I mean, I've always been one that I just hate letting people down. Like that's, so when that lady took a chance on me, I was just like, you know, oh my gosh, I don't even know why she took a chance. Honestly, like she was just being super kind because what I had to offer was pretty minimal, but I think she could tell that I was just super motivated and really wanted to like impress. Uh, so that made it a little easier. But um, when I started working with her, I just listened to any and every podcast that I possibly could. Like I would show up to work, I think two hours before her. So I could leave a little earlier to be with my son. And that whole time while I was working and doing tasks for her, I would be listening to podcasts. And then when I'd go home after the baby went to sleep, then I would be working on additional projects to try to learn more. But Mm -hmm. in listening to those podcasts is when I started to pick up on the needs that these people have. So the podcast I was listening to primarily was A Well-Designed Business by Luann Nagara. And essentially all of her guests typically are interior designers or they're members of the trade. And a lot of them are talking about their growth, different points of development in their business. And over and over again, I'm hearing people say, you know, we just got to this point where, you know, I was just so overwhelmed and I was stressed and I needed to hire, but I didn't have the funds to hire. And it's like, person after person is talking about this incredibly stressful moment in their career about how they needed the help, but they couldn't hire. And that is such a hard part being someone who has a small team of my own is like, when do you bring somebody on? And then, you know, what if you can't promise them a lot of hours? And what if you don't know when you're going to get your next project? Or what if you don't have the skills to even initiate that next step? Um, And so that's when I started thinking, as I mentioned before, when she had reduced hours a little bit, it's like, I feel like there's something here. Like I could Mm -hmm. offer this to these people. And at that point, he said, I think I'd been working with her for six months because I started in June of 2016 for her. And I started my business in, I guess I technically started with her in May, but, um, in an official capacity in June. And then I started my business in February of 2017. And so anyway, at that point, I had learned how to do mood boards, floor plans, and a limited amount of sourcing. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I offered. And so I was just like, this is what I can do. This is what I can offer you. And, um, you know, I hired a coach when I first started. And just told her, I'm like, I have no idea how to start a business. Like, I don't know what I need. So can you please tell me what I need to do or like the things that I need to have set up? Mm-hmm. And then we'll go from there. Um, so yeah, that was it. I started like the worst website ever. It was absolutely hideous. My husband told me it looked great. And then he told me later that he was lying. <laughs> um, 
Oh, that's so funny. But, yeah. And then I reached out to that same podcast that I had been talking to because I'm like, I mean, my first step, I had researched all these interior designers all across the United States and sent them a bunch or not a bunch, but I sent each one an email like saying, hey, this is who I am. This is the service I offer. And I think I got one response. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it converted into a sale. And so then I'm like, how am I going to do this? <laughs> I was, how am I going to make some noise in this like huge online, like online community that is so difficult. Uh -huh. uh, so I reached out to that same podcast and told her about my services and she brought me on as a guest. Cause she's like, wow, this is really interesting. I think people would be really interested in hearing what you have to say. And then... And that is how we got where we are today. You went from listening to podcasts, seeing where a need was within the industry, mm -hmm. hearing from others of what they were struggling with, created your own business centered around trying to help that situation. And then you just put balls to the wall and reached out and got on the podcast that you used as a source to help you kind of build your business yeah, exactly it was probably the scariest moment ever because I remember it was around my son's birthday so like that was when I first like started started I guess my business was almost when he was one years old and uh she called me back and was like i just want to ask you some questions and i remember like my mom my mom and my sister were here and i was just like oh my god can you watch him for a minute and i was like sweating I'm, like she is gonna think i am such a fool and i can't even believe this lady is talking to me right now and she's very respected in the industry and i was just like this isn't like well, and I just had to keep telling myself, like, worst case scenario, she says you're not a good fit. And you already know that you're not very experienced. So what are you losing? Like, she's not giving you new information here. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely scary. It was so scary to reach out to someone that you really respect mm -hmm. and, you know, try to get them on board with what you're doing. But, yeah. And also, if you don't do it, you're never going to know. Exactly. It's like like everyone always says, right, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, like doing those mm -hmm. hard things, pushing yourself beyond what you would ever normally do for the greater cause, for your future self, for your future life, yeah. right? So it's like doing all those things that scare the hell out of you, but look what came of it. Right. You got onto this amazing podcast and now you're here today full-time in your business. So when you, after that podcast, what did business kind of look like? How was it with creating these different services and really dialing into like who you were serving and how you're gonna serve them? Yeah, so initially afterwards, I got a lot of inquiries. And honestly, as I mentioned, it was new, so I wasn't really sure how to respond to everybody. Um, and so with that, it just it didn't get as much business as you would expect because of the fact that I think people could tell pretty well that I was green. And um, 
So it trickled. I think uh, the first year I just made like a couple thousand dollars. And I was talking to somebody about this the other day. And honestly, I mean, at that time it was kind of perfect. I was still working full time. I was having the opportunity to get more experience. Um, so I wasn't totally mad at that. Um, but anyway, it's like, I think I only have a handful of clients from that first year, just because I'm sure people could sense my lack of confidence a little bit. Mm-hmm. But had I not pushed through that, then, you know, there wouldn't have been year two where it grew a little bit. And then year three where um, it's grown a little bit more. <laughs> it does not matter where I go. They will find me. <laughs> That's just how it is. Uh, this is location three. Um, so anyway, it was, it was stressful because I just, I didn't, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew how I wanted to help people. I didn't know how to actually do it still. Mm -hmm. And I found automation was super helpful. Uh, So as I mentioned, that really terrible website that I had in the beginning, uh, I still listening to all those podcasts. I was listening to Jenna Kutcher. um, I mean, pretty much any business podcast that I could think of. My husband is just absolutely sick of business podcasts at this point (laughs) especially Jenna Kutcher's unfortunately um and it's just like I need to figure out how to do this better and so that was I started setting up automation I realized a lot of my time I was spent talking to people who maybe weren't at a point where they could hire me but were just really interested in what my business was okay and so as a result of that, I was like, well, I'm spending, and I'm not even kidding, like 10 hours a week on these calls where I'm just talking to people about what I do and they have no intention of hiring me whatsoever. And so then that's when I developed what I still use now, <laughs> which is uh, where I have it, they have to submit an inquiry first. They receive my packet, and then at that point, if they've seen the packet, they've seen our samples, they've seen our pricing, and they still want to have a call, then wonderful. But it was just at that point, you know, uh, and I I mean, obviously, that's probably not the right move for everyone, but I think when you have a certain number of calls in and you realize that there's a reason they're not converting, and there's kind of a common thread, then to have to take action and figure out what that is yeah that's usually what it is in all businesses is when things seem like okay what's happening why isn't why am i doing so much but the money isn't flowing in it's like to dial back and really get like a magnifying glass out and look and see okay where is the step that things aren't going or moving any further and that was my husband who was a big push there because he'd be like, you're always so busy. You have no time. But like you say, you're not making that much money. And I'm like, I'm not. And he's like, then what are you doing? <laughs> I'm on calls. And he's like, and they're not hiring you? I'm like, no, they just want to know about my business. And he's like, well, then why are you talking to them? Like, he's always on the super blunt side. Like, 
for him, it's always like, does this make me money? No, I'm not doing it. Uh-huh. <laughs> for me, I'm like, oh, well, in the long run. And he's like, nope, cut it, get it out. <laughs> yeah. So how has that been with like having him there as like that support system to be that blunt person in your life to really help you like see those things? It's good. I think, um, you know, there's that part of you that when your partner says something, you're just kind of like, shut up. Like, you don't know. Um, And then there's the part where, you know, you're sharing your life with them and they can see these different parts of you that are struggling or whatever it may be. And so where he's really come in is there's the times where you just need somebody to tell you, like, this is your fault. You're doing like, this is not happening to you. This is happening because of something you're doing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that comes, like, it's hereditary. My family and I, we do not handle stress well. So when I get overwhelmed, it's just like, I just crack. Yeah. And so then in those moments, he'll kind of sit me down. And if I'm like, oh, I just want to quit. Like, is this worth it? It's so stressful. And I'm like, of course it's worth it. You're going to do it. But what are you doing that's causing this? Mm-hmm. And so then he's always with that one. Like, <laughs> he's always like, God, I'm so proud of you. I tell everybody about what you do. I just think it's so cool that you get to work from home with the kids. Um, but then, you know, he's also the same one. He's like, well, we need time with you too. You need to make your systems better and whatever you need. <laughs> it's been great. It is hard though. You've probably experienced it, but like there's times where he just doesn't quite understand so he's in supervision but he's never run his own business so there's those things that you have to do that don't make money but are just essential to your business that just have to be done yeah Um, the bottom line must have is to actually keep everything going you know that website maintenance making sure everything's updated and things that are really expensive to hand off and, you know, it would be absolutely lovely to hand off, but there's just some things that at certain stages you can't do. And I'd say that's been like probably the biggest struggle. Yeah. And then of course, you know, the kids. <laughs> one moment, please. And we're back. So you have one child? <laughs> yeah, I have one. She's seven months old. And thankfully she, She's on a very good schedule where her sleep is around like my open times, but there's those days where she's just completely on her own thing and she's on calls with me and she's screaming and fussing and won't stay still. And it's just like when you're a mom and you're running your own business, you just have to like roll with the punches. Yeah. Well, and what I found is my first was wonderful. Like, he really was good about working with my schedule and I'd say mommy's working and you know, we were great. And then we introduced the second one and now they compete. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that's been, um, it definitely got harder with the second one. <laughs> Has that like impacted the way you run or do things in your business? Um, I'd say, I don't know how much having the second one has changed how I do it. Um, it's had to, I mean, it was probably the big driving force, but what made me hire somebody. Mm. And so I went, um, I had three different virtual assistants before I landed on 
like the main one that I have right now. So my goal was if I am trying to encourage people to hire virtually, then I should probably be pretty familiar with it myself. And um, yeah, it just three of them and they did not work out at all. It was kind of a train wreck every time. And so then I took a pause because I was just like, I don't even know how to like handle this. Um, this is just overwhelming. And the reason I had brought on the second one was that my daughter was due. So, um, she was going to be, or she was born in August of or August, excuse me, October of 2018. And so anyway, I was like, I know I'm going to need help. Like if we're going to get this to continue to grow and I make the business that I want to, and that was the time when I decided like, this just feels right. This feels like this is the time I need to take it full time. Cause mm -hmm. up until then I had still been with that design firm. And um, so I had brought on that assistant to try to help me. And she worked with me for three months. And then she was just overwhelmed because oh, interior design is just, it's really nuanced. I'm sure it's similar to fashion design. Um, and you kind of have to know a lot about everything mm -hmm. or like even a little about everything, but it's just shocking how much you really have to know for everything to work smoothly. Mm -hmm. And so that pressure to learn all of that was just a little too much for her. So then I ventured into the third assistant and I was like, okay, I need someone who has design experience. And then that didn't work out. I'm like, oh my God. Okay. So I'm just going to take a break from this. But then it just became alarmingly clear again. Like if I'm going to keep growing, I need to bring somebody else on. Mm -hmm. And so then that was when I reached out to someone who had reached out to me before and I ended up bringing her on and she's been with me since. Um, so I think it was that encouragement, just making sure you know, if I'm going to keep growing this, if I'm going to support my family and do the things that we're really wanting to do, it's really important to us to be able to travel. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, for my family, my parents both had their own businesses. My dad was a logger, but he was like a subcontractor. And my mom is a horse trainer. But both those businesses required them to be in one spot all the time. Uh-huh. And... So while they were in control of their schedule and it was really great, we could always go to work with them and we have some really great memories of it. For me, I just love traveling. I was like, I want to know that I can go from place to place and like we can work while, or I can work while we're on the road and just use the internet. Mm -hmm. But in order to make that a reality, I, I needed to bring on some additional help. Yeah. And expand. And, and so, yeah. She was the big driver behind that. So that would be how having the second one changed. But as far as our operations, um, I think a part of that also was just me cutting down from doing the one-on-one -on -one client work mm -hmm. to where I took on like a couple clients that I exclusively focus on. And then I really do try to hand off quite a bit to everyone else. Okay. And with... After going full-time, having your virtual assistant with you now that I'm sure helps insanely with just doing those things that are like the time, like the time takers, right? Where it's like the little things that we don't necessarily 
want to focus on because we want to look at the bigger picture goal and so mm -hmm. okay, help with this do this um what has been like the the biggest factor into being able to really dial in to the people that you serve i would say biggest factor in being able to dial in continuing to talk to them i really believe um Again, I was talking to someone about this today. I'm just incredibly blessed that the people that I've worked with are pretty comfortable with me and pretty open. And I'm always open to any feedback. I don't pretend to know everything. I let people know that I have not worked in the field or, well, I've worked in the field, but that I haven't been educated. So I don't have a design degree. Mm -hmm. And so while we are prepared and ready to do these tasks for them, that there are some things we might not be familiar with. And so we're always open to feedback, open to taking in new programs or learning new programs. If people think that that's going to be, you know, what a large group of the population is going to need. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's just been having those conversations with them. And I would say even letting them know like, hey, I'm thinking of doing this. And do you think that would be something people would want? And it doesn't have to be salesy, but I find um, one of the things that I feel like made a huge change in our business or my business was going from hourly, which is how I started. And I think at one point when I was doing that, I had like 80 clients that I had worked with. And I just like, you know, I can tell you kind of what a handful of them like and prefer in the assignments that I can, but I don't really know anything about these people. Mm -hmm. And so then I made that decision shortly before my daughter was born that I was going to move away from that and focus on having like a handful of clients that I work with in more detail. And that's been really helpful in getting people more comfortable having these conversations with me. Mm -hmm. And then that's been a driving force behind us launching like some educational pieces, a new course that we have coming up that will hopefully be released by the end of the month. Um, and, you know, just having those conversations, again, I think is so important. Yeah, continuing to just focus in on like the market research. Yeah. Not not having that feeling that like you have it all figured out because things are always changing in business. And yeah, like with what people need, what people are struggling with, like it can change from month to month. And I think that what you're saying is such a huge driving factor in nailing down your niche because you constantly have to listen. Always, right. always be listening because you never know what your people need. So if it's mm -hmm. like, you know, if you, you create this program and you think, oh, this is it. I have like the perfect program for people. Okay, well, what's next? You know, what are, what are right. these people going to need? So it's always like listening and being in that creation mode. And that's how business grows. And that's clearly how you're growing because mm -hmm. it all started from you listening. On that yeah. <laughs> to what? people were needing and the fact that you're still doing that and still listening I think is a big reason and just of like a bright light like shining on you of like why you're continuing to grow and why you're doing what you're doing and still loving it because you're in that always learning factor 
Yeah. And I think a natural curiosity on your business owner, it's almost a necessity. Um, yeah. If you're going to continue to grow and develop new products and reach new people, there needs to be someone, even, you know, it doesn't have to be used, someone on your team who's kind of that liaison mm-hmm. for your client. So my assistant, Hannah, um, she's great too, because she also interacts with our clients a lot. And so if there's something she's noticing that is making things difficult for her, well, if it's making it difficult for her to do her job, it's likely making it difficult for the client or designer mm-hmm. in our case to send that to her or to receive the information from her. Like there's obviously a hiccup there. And so, you know, just kind of listening to everyone and listening to what your team members have to say as well. Yeah. Just a constant curiosity, I feel like. Yeah, that's vital. Vital for business growth, for sure. Well, it has been amazing just talking to you, learning this. Hearing somebody say just how valuable it is to listen to the clients, to the designers, like you said in your case, to know how to niche down, how to figure out who you're focusing in on, what your people need. I mean, I love your story of just what you did from going from behavioral, from the behavioral health industry to now having your own business in the design industry. It's, it's amazing and knowing that you are a fellow mom just out there doing it, rocking it, owning it. And by way of letting go of that thought of perfectionism, I think that's absolutely incredible. And that's something that I think we all need to hear from time to time is that it's okay. That everything is perfect. It's okay to just like start our business and not have any idea what we're doing. It's okay to like, do all these things that feel so hard because then they get a place of where you are now creating this life for your family that you've dreamed of and that you want and having that support of your husband to really have you like dial in on those things I think is really mm-hmm. beautiful as well so thank you so much for being here I know you um have been so amazing to give a brand identity worksheet to everybody that is listening yes. so if you want to tell us just a little bit about that what it is for what it's going to help them with and uh, yeah I think that would be awesome Awesome. So um, as you guys all know, my business is incredibly niche um, and we continue to niche down as we grow. So, um, you know, when you would have noticed, for example, is I use a billing program called IB, which is um, for interior designers. And just that part alone has helped me to get more business because people say, oh, well, she works with IB. She's familiar with this. Okay. She knows how to help me. Um, so niching down is incredibly important. The part of the development or develop your brand identity worksheet is also to help you set expectations. So as I've mentioned, I'm lucky I get to work with some really wonderful people that are really accepting of my children, the fact that they're always in the background, um, and that sometimes there might be interruptions as a result of having them. And so a big part of that is developing a brand identity and making sure that you're reaching out to those people who are aware. Um, And what I learned is when you're trying to set this expectation, as I mentioned before, where you're trying to be super professional or trying to be something that isn't necessarily an option for you at that time, 
uh, then that's going to turn people away. And I feel like that was a lot of, a lot of that beginning part. Uh, and so when you're trying to present in a way that you're not, that's going to turn people away because I feel like that was a lot of when I first started is I had this idea, I need to be professional and I am not going to tell people about my kids because then if they know about my kids, then they're not going to want to work with me because they're not going to think that they're going to get their work done. Whereas instead you need to present and be like, yes, I have children. Yes, they're in the background. Yeah, they cause a problem sometimes, but this is how I handle it. And this is how our team handles it. Mm -hmm. So again, coming back to this brand identity, she, it's just to help you kind of identify those things. So what do you want people to know about you? What does your ideal client value? And uh, what's important to them? Um, how are you different from other people who offer the same services? So, you know, you and I, we both offer coaching services and talk, uh, but they're vastly different. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, I focus on people who are wanting to work with interior designers. And so just because there's somebody out there who offers the same services as you, it doesn't mean one that they're a competitor or, you know, Two, that there's not a place for you. It just means you need to identify why am I different? Why am I somebody that they're going to look for and want to hire in the future? Yes, I think there's going to be such a value, such a valuable tool for people to have because that is something that's so important. There is that that thought out there that oh, the market's too saturated. There's too many of these coaches, right? There's too much of this out there already. How am I supposed to start my business and actually get seen and make money doing this? Because mm -hmm. that's something that I always tell my clients is it doesn't matter how many of anybody there is in a certain type of business, because we're all going to attract different people. You know, right. we're, we're all working with different people. We all have different lifestyles, different ways of speaking, putting information out there. So who we attract is going to be by far different than who we might envision as our competitor, even though right. we really have no competition because we're all so different and all so unique. Right, but if you don't put that out there, then they'll never know. Yep. And that's, again, where that niching down. The reason it seems so saturated in so many ways is that there are so many people offering the same exact thing. Yeah. And they're just not differentiating themselves enough. So if you're just a business coach who helps people you know, find their confidence. Well, so are you and like a million other people. But when you really get down, like, what are you helping them with? What is their end goal? What are they going to get from working with you? And then that's where you start to differentiate yourself from the rest of the pack and get out of that whole saturation. Yeah, totally. It's finding, it's finding that transformation that you and only you are able to offer because of your expertise in a certain thing and because that's, that's like your secret sauce of what you're just capable of yeah yeah, yeah. Well, i could not agree more so i'm really excited for everybody to be able to dive into that brand identity sheet and just be able to have a little taste of what you offer to those that are looking to work with you so we just want to really quick just Maybe explain how, if there is anybody that's listening right now, what you do, who you help specifically, and where they can find you if they are interested. 
Absolutely. Uh, so obviously our business, first and foremost, we do support interior designers. So we are a VA agency that helps interior designers uh, with floor plans, renders, sourcing, all of those back end things. We also offer coaching services. So um, what we do and what we specialize in is helping people identify, again, niche down uh, ways that they can help interior designers. So another market that's super saturated, of course, is the VA market, especially now um, VA is or working as a VA is a pretty uh, recession proof gig because the people who suddenly have to let people go now need that help from somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, so everybody's trying to do it. But what we help people do is kind of identify what skill set you have in your background and how you can apply that to interior design. And as I've mentioned before, interior design is so multifaceted. You need to know a lot of stuff. Um, Cause you know, it's about the home, it's about product, it's about bookkeeping, it's about project management, it's about contracting, it's just all over the place. So there's so many ways that you can enter the field. And so we, again, help people look back, see, okay, what skills do I have? Not only that, what are the things that I really love doing? And then how can we apply that to interior design, help you niche down and start finding clients? Amazing. So if you are out there, if you are an interior designer looking for somebody to help you with those things, or if you are interested in becoming a VA for interior designers, definitely reach out to Brittany. Clearly you have seen from this interview here that she is absolutely amazing, incredible at what she does while Thank you. handling little ones running around. So clearly she can do it all. Oh, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> You're, you are a superhuman in your own being. Uh, well, if only uh, my husband would have been here like he was supposed to, but unfortunately something came up. So this interview would have been a lot quieter. Okay. Um, but you know what? You just got to not always perfect you gotta roll with the punches sometimes <laughs> yeah it was fun anyways it was so good talking to you i appreciate you for being here for sharing your story with me with us and just really talking deeply into what it was like to start your business and that journey that you took so thank you so much again and i'll talk with you soon